630 Chad This Morning Podcast with Stacy Bratzel and Daryl McIntyre. Downright frigid, dangerous, cold yeah. Friday morning. The coldest it's been in uh, in 50 years. Yeah, for, for, for the temperatures we're hitting and for the length of time we're having to deal with them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely brutal. So obviously we've had a lot of conversations this week about housing for people who have no home, no house anyway. Uh, we've talked about encampments uh, being taken down over the last little week. We've talked about shelters, about trying to keep people safe. And obviously this is a much layered conversation that will continue continue into next week with the uh, with the the city the mayor asking for for an emergency conversation about all this. We wanted to focus in on on one permanent housing center that is also jumping in to, to help out at this point but it if you keep trying to find a new way to do things or, or if you keep trying to do things the old way it's never going to make a you know make things better. Yeah. Finding new it's ways not working. to attack the problem is a really good idea. This is one of those newer ways. Uh, and the, the, the whole pronunciations of a number of these, but it, it's uh, Niganan Housing Ventures, and they have a permanent housing center called Pematswin. Yep. Oh, geez. Nailed it. We have, a couple of, <laughs> we have a couple of guests here to tell us more about what it's all about. Carrie Cardinal uh, Schulte yep. is here, and uh, Calla Hills, uh, both uh, from this organization. Good morning. Thank you so much for Good making morning. the journey in, into Thank the you. studio. Good morning. We, we cranked up the heat inside for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. You had to you had to derobe. It's so warm in here. Uh, I, but I know that uh, you guys are out, especially you, Calla, because you're the site the supervisor for this. We're talking about the Sands Hotel that's on Fort Road and uh, Yellowhead Trail. And and I drive by it every day, and, and you do see the oil camp set up. That is what's new, because there, there's been always shelter space, or at least for the last two years, inside the hotel. But but sort of the camp set up outside in the parking lot is new. Tell us about that. Sure. So the city came to us a few months ago about setting up these pallet homes, these small little 8 by 10 pallet homes that are really successful in the States uh, for as a homeless solution. But for the winter in Edmonton, they wouldn't have worked. So this pallet company had redesigned their homes and they have a prototype called uh, and, and they wanted to test it in the Edmonton winter in, the, in a Canadian winter so where else in Edmonton and the city came to us to test these and when we went to you know our funder talked about you know setting these up as a as a temporary shelter for over the winter they really you know wanted to fund more people than four which is how many homes we got so they said you know we really want to fund closer to 50 at a time so then we started looking at other solutions how do we do temporary shelters outside and um, that's where we came up with the oil camp so we you know engaged with a couple oil camp companies and Civio was the ones that you know provided us with you know exactly what we needed and we were able to very quickly turn it around putting in services and making sure that these oil camps were rigged up in order to incubate people safely and comfortably and get them off the street. Well, and and the, the, these aren't, this isn't a new home. This is temporary. This is, 100%. so when you talk eight by 10, but if, if you're living in a tent somewhere, yeah. this is actually going to be a lot better. It's warmer, it's safer and all that. They've got to be full, I'm assuming. We we just opened. Yeah. So yeah, we just opened our doors. I know, but I think on you got to be full. <laughs> well, we are very intentional with everything that we do. So a lot of it is, as you talked about, that different approach. And so for us, it's about intention. So it's very individualistic for each person that comes in, and we really try to be part of a long term solution rather than continuing the cycle. So that means maybe doing things a little bit slower than traditionally um, okay. some shelter spaces would. But that means that we're taking the time to like engage with each person as they come down, come in. 
sit down with them, have a conversation, find out what their needs are, find out what they want, find out uh, how we can best support them and then move forward that way. So it's about helping them to get connected to different supports, whether it's cultural or um, healthcare supports or income supports, and then collaborating with other agencies and within our own um, organization to best support that individual. And this is Indigenous led. Absolutely. So 60%, I think that's the stat here in Edmonton, 60% of the people who are homeless, who, without homes, um, are Indigenous. So are those the only people that you are taking, people of Indigenous background? No. No, we are Indigenous-led, which means that we, th- we you know, lead with love and we follow the four natural laws in all our programming. We also have a lot of ceremony. We have a lot of cultural supports. We have land-based training. Today, our land-based training is inside. It's <laughs> going to be a pipe ceremony rather than a sweat. <laughs> but we usually do have sweats every Friday. And so what that means is that um, uh, most of our residents are Indigenous because they're naturally drawn to us. Like, they Mm want to come and stay with us. Um, But no, we'll take anybody with severe complex needs. We take people that are hard to house and those that are deemed hardest to house. And you did actually take some people in from the encampments that that were taken down, right, and dismantled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, is one of the one of the big uh, concerns with taking down? There's a lot of concerns with uh, taking down the encampments, but uh, for people who are without a home, everything they have they're carrying around with them, and being going into a shelter space, you can't take that with them. I'm assuming they can take their possessions and still have them at this site. Absolutely, and that was like one of our biggest things is like, of course you can bring your stuff, we will keep it here. What happens is when people have been housed for a few months, they actually do let go of their stuff a little bit more. It's not as important. They're not carrying their house on their back. They have a place to live. So we will always store people's possessions because it brings so much trauma to have to leave their possessions behind. And you know you faced some backlash from the community saying that there wasn't enough consultation, that it's too close to homes, too close to schools. Um, what, what was your reaction to that? Well, again, we just we just focus on providing supportive housing. Like all, all we want to do is house as many people as possible. And we understand and appreciate the community was upset at the time. Um, but we made that de- we, we did make that um, commitment to be really good neighbors and we're doing our best to do so. We are meeting with them next week again. So okay. uh, we, we have heard many times that a lot of these services are concentrated within the downtown core or, or within mm-hmm. a certain area. So as we push out a little bit to Fort Road or Yellowhead Trail, uh, are there enough are, are are your residents happy enough being in that zone? Are there enough services available uh, that that it can spread out some of this a little bit in, in the city? Um, yeah, I think it's really nice for a lot of folks um, because they're kind of removed from that scene so it's easier for them to detach to some of those lifestyles if that's what they're choosing to do and so it can be nice for them to have a bit of a break. Uh, Fortunately, we have a very big team that's able to provide you know rides and assistance downtown if folks so need and to connect them to the resources that are downtown that we need to still access because a lot of the agencies that we collaborate with are downtown as well and so um, you know, we talk about street family a lot. That's really important to a lot of folks. And we also don't want to take that away for people because that is their family and has been their family for a very long time. So um, we are able to provide with some transportation downtown if that's what the need is. But it can also be very nice for folks to have that removal as well. Um, you hear a lot about how what we're doing is not working. You're trying something different. Is this enough? Is this something that other agencies should explore? What should be done? I think a lot of people end a conversation about encampments and homelessness with, I don't know. Do you know? 
I, I don't think we're doing something different. I think we're doing things that Indigenous people have done for years. I think that if you ever lived or worked on a reserve, you would see this is the way Indigenous people take care of each other. If somebody doesn't have something, they help. everybody helps out until they do. So you don't see these issues in the, the Indigenous communities I've been on because you really they really do take care of each other. So I don't think we're doing something different. I think what we're doing is we're following our heart. And I do wish more agencies would um, have that kind of approach where they're leading with love rather than, you know, trying to push people in and out. And I do think we have to just build those relationships with people that have been traumatized for a number of years in order to best support them in order to get them six house somewhere. I, I think even if you disagree with the ideology or, or don't identify with it, I think is a, probably a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. You can look at the 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 how you're doing it with these these smaller little uh, mm-hmm. temporary homes, mm-hmm. just the logistics seem to just make total sense to mm-hmm. me. So, is that something that you can explore and have people ask you about it about how this is working and how they might be able to expand maybe to some other organizations, other projects? Well, what, I think what you find with Ninganan is we don't say no to anything. When somebody <laughs> comes to us with an idea, we say let's try it. Can we do it? Mm-hmm. How will it work? Uh, we were just talking this morning about another idea. Like <laughs> we very rarely say no right off the bat we first listen we try to do what's best and again because we follow the four natural laws we make sure that we're following that at when we're guided and because of that i believe we're always kind of led down the right path so mm-hmm. that's kind of how we make those decisions so for other agencies i would say like open up your heart a little bit think of other ways to do things it doesn't always have to be the same way all the time and you'd be happy to tell them what you, your experience has been I think I, I would I would actually go further and say I would be happy to have our residents share that story, which is what yeah. we've been trying to do this past week is have more residents share their stories. So can you share without betraying confidence some of the stories of the people who are staying with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, even there was one individual that was on the news um, this week who he... It very delicately and very elegantly actually explained his experience of being on the streets for, you know, seven plus years with his sister, his twin sister, and um, how he was almost proud of it for a little while, you know, of being able to survive outside and being able to maintain that lifestyle and um, how he has since softened by coming to stay with us and how he now views it very differently and how he uh, views a future for himself. Like he's really now proud to to be able to take other, he's a, a bit of an older gentleman, but he's very proud to be able to take some of the younger folks that we serve kind of under his wing that are maybe a little bit more resistant to receiving help and accessing our services and help to sort of like mentor them. And um, he, you know, has experienced his own trauma extensively and to watch him buy in 100% and be as successful as he has been is just, it warms my heart to like no end. And I just, it really speaks to the work that we do and that it is working. And um, yeah, he, he just said it out very well too. Like we, as the residents have to be willing to buy in just as much because we, it's their lives. And ultimately that's how we lead is that they're in charge because it is their lives. Right. So if they're not ready to change, then that's totally fine. But that's on, that's up to them. Yeah. Callie and Carrie, uh, can you stick around through a break? Because we'd like to talk to you some more about this. We are uh, furthering our discussion about, and you may have seen it as you pass by the Sands Hotel, the old Sands Hotel at uh, Yellowhead Trail and Fort Road. There are, uh, you know, sort of like a work camp, like you would see up in the oil sands in the parking lot of the uh, Sands Hotel. The, the, the Sands Hotel itself has been a shelter for the last uh, couple of years, but new is the supportive housing suites outside. Uh, it's not a hotel anymore, is it? 
No, and actually, the other thing is that we just opened up the tower last week as well. So we okay. have 54 new permanent supportive suites yeah. as well. And that's just it. This is this is permanent housing, and now these camps are the temporary emergency housing, yeah. really. I was struck, uh, Callie, when you were talking about uh, the one resident and how how hard he had to be while living rough on the street and how he's been able to soften that edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, uh, I don't know if you guys can speak to that, because you must see mm-hmm. it on a regular basis, the, the mm-hmm. relief that might come off somebody's shoulders. Yeah, I think um, like a lot of our folks talk about having to survive, right? And I mean, it makes sense. You think about the temperatures right now outside, if you had to be living outside, mm-hmm. you'd have to be pretty, pretty, like have to dissociate almost to to do that and, and survive, right? Like that's really all you're doing. And so um, we see that with a lot of our folks when they come in of their just... Uh, unwillingness to want to trust people as well. I think that's a really big part that comes with it because they're told no so many times and they're told come back tomorrow. And I mean, we even have to say that sometimes and it's really unfortunate, but uh, we always do the best to set people up. And I think it just, it's amazing that when you don't force a relationship onto somebody or you just take the time to be curious about an individual and let them still have their own autonomy, um, how powerful it is to watch those relationships form. And then as trust builds, people are able to let some of those walls down and are able to trust that this is legitimate, that we're there to help them, that they're not going to just get kicked out back out onto the street in the morning. Or, you know, if they make a mistake, it's okay. We'll work with them rather than, you know, just sending them back out. And so I think that that's where we really see that difference coming from. And Um, They don't have to worry about, you know, is my camp going to get cleaned up this morning or am I going to get all my possessions stolen or whatever. And I think that that is, yeah, where am I going to eat? Will I be able to shower? Right. Like that's a huge thing too. Where am I going to go to the bathroom? Exactly. And so I think that once they have that, they're able to let go of some of that survival mode and are able to start thriving. You talk about uh, this one client who who seemed to be open to to help uh, finally Mm -hmm. after seven years on the street. You must have more difficult clients though. People who are, are in the midst and and are knee deep in in uh, mental health issues and addiction issues. Do you have those services, those wraparound services that that you can help? And and, and how does that when somebody comes in with such complex needs, how does that does that disrupt the sort of the shelter time when the, when you when they come in? Does it sort of you know you've you're, you've got this one gentleman who's sort of you know on his path, and and somebody comes in and it's it's completely different and may sort of you know um, every single one is different. Uproot the apple every, cart a little every bit. Every single one, and uh, you'll see the team they get together and they have these discussions where it's like, okay, we tried this and this didn't. This is what happened. We tried this and this didn't happen. If you look at Ambrose Place, which is our flagship um, site, and it, you know Ambrose Place has been there for nine years. It'll be 10 years in in November of 2024, which is a great when you go there now, you will see uh, such a difference in what it was like when it first opened. So you definitely have people that, you know, do settle down. Every time a new resident comes into Ambrose, there is a period of adjustment. It can take a few months. Uh, there are expectations put on people at the time, you know, and so absolutely there's going to be some kickback. But what, what you'll see is the teams, and Cala's team does this too, and they do it at Ambrose, they do it at MacArthur, is the teams will surround those people. So they'll surround them with caring and kindness. They'll be like, it's okay, I know you're upset. And, you know, it's just a totally different approach than none of our staff have restraint training. We don't have security guards. We don't have bulletproof glass every, anywhere. Everything is open. And it's really about building those relationships with people and providing them with the kindness and the love that maybe they didn't have before. Yeah. Carrie, we got to go. But if we people do, like what you're doing and they want to help you out, how can they do that? 
So they can go to www.niganan.ca, N-I-G-I-N-A-N, and they c- there is a page there about how to donate, and it also has information about how we started and why we started, and about Ambrose Daniels, who's, you know, why we started, what we what, doing what we do. N-I-G-I-N-A-N dot... N-I-G-I... Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us, uh, Carrie Cardinal Schulte, Niganan CEO, and Calla Hills, site supervisor for um, the temporary shelters outside the Sands Hotel. Thank you so much for joining us and your thank time. Thank you. Appreciate it.